0: This UAMS Health Talk COVID-19 podcast was recorded on August 4th, 2020. In the ongoing standstill of the pandemic, many of our questions about case tracing and health management remain unanswered. Fortunately, medical professionals are using advanced digital health technologies to improve the health and safety of you and your loved ones. We're going to talk about it today with Dr. Joseph Sanford, Chief Clinical Informatics Officer and the Interim Director for the Institute of Digital Health and Innovation, and Dr. Kevin Sexton, Associate Chief Clinical Informatics Officer, both at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. This is UAMS Health Talk, the podcast from the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. I'm Prakash Chandran. So Dr. Sanford, we'll start with you. How exactly are digital health advancements enhancing our abilities during this COVID-19 pandemic?
1: The spectrum by which the digital health enhancements are are improving the lives of patients has been really quite remarkable in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, There's nothing quite like dramatic change to beget more change, I suppose. It steps down from how you access the healthcare system. We've been doing more telehealth visits and digital health visits at UAMS since the pandemic started for us really in in mid-March than all of our previous probably existence combined. Uh, We've done several dozen thousand uh, digital health visits at this point across all of our specialties and subspecialties, everything from primary care all the way into uh, neurology, neurosurgery and things like that. Uh, We are focused on the quality of patient experience, the ease of access, which for a rural state like Arkansas really helps for patients that have been driving from the corners of the state and, and eliminates you know sometimes as much as a six hour round trip drive if you're coming from the far northwest or southeast part of the state. Other aspects of digital health and and really focusing on the patient care experience are approving and uh, building out communication pathways for patients in the hospital with their families because we have you know slightly more restrictive visitor policies to protect patients and their families from the Uh, nature of the COVID uh, disease process. We're additionally focused on data communication pathways, not just with uh, the UAMS system itself, but with the state and with the federal government to get as much data about the pandemic and uh, medical information for future research projects as we can.
2: I would add that it's amazing to see that overnight, the primary modality with which we deliver healthcare changed, and that could only be possible with technology. As Joe was talking about, we now have a visitation policy that's highly restrictive, so we're dependent upon technology to do the care that we were normally doing in person. and We had to design data systems for integrating large quantities of data and allowing it to flow to the appropriate person in real time while we're building some of these systems on the fly because we've never dealt with these challenges at this scale before. Yeah, it truly
0: is incredible just around how you were mentioning that primary modality has changed because you have to limit uh, the patients and the visitors. So first, I'd love to just talk a little bit about ease of access. So, you know, you mentioned that cutting down the commute time is obviously really changed the way that people get care. So you have this balance between people who might have been apprehensive about getting care during covid but now having it be more accessible because of all of the measures that you've set up. Dr. Sexton, can you talk a little bit about that dichotomy and how you've seen patients adopt this new uh, technological process that you've put in
2: place? So I think patients have adjusted well to receiving care in a virtual platform, whether that be the traditional telephone call or a new video-integrated visit. I think what we don't know and understand is which platform is best for what the patient would need. And sometimes our clinical systems are built upon delivering in-person care and serial laboratory testing, other serial examinations that aren't possible virtually. And so do you have to bring someone to the hospital for just those isolated values and follow up? Or are there things that you can do in a new way to reinvent the system and to come up with the same sort of monitoring? So I think patients have adapted quickly as well as their family members who are now, um, feel, I think more comfortable communicating with the healthcare system. I think we still have a lot to sort out though. Folks still are primarily communicating synchronously and We don't have great systems for asynchronous communication with patients and their families, but that's what we're working to develop and learning more about every day.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Kevin. And I would add to it that one of the interesting assumptions that we had rapidly challenged in our pandemic response and telehealth, digital health expansion is would the patient population respond to the requirements of the text? To use kind of a common example, would Zoom be an appropriate uh, modality and would our elderly patients be comfortable using something like Zoom or FaceTime uh, if they have never used it before? Yes, there is some of that, but it's not along a lot of the generational or um, educational assumptions that you might come into it uh, as a scientific hypothesis. We've really found that uh, adoption has been uh, pretty quick and we have patients that we would have assumed would need a lot of hand holding uh, are already using zoom to communicate with their families or FaceTime to play, um, uh, card games, you know, remotely. And, and they've got, I'll use an example from my parents. Uh, they have one iPad set up for the zoom call and then they have all of their iPhones and they play hearts, uh, with, uh, my cousins and, and other relatives. So the, Assumptions about how people will respond to change and whether or not they're going to fear change, I think, uh, have not been completely misfounded, but uh, I'm very heartened by the uh, populist response to we're going to do something totally new and different and we're going to figure it on the fly together. And as long as we focus on our priorities of keeping people healthy and safe and really focus on the patient experience that relies upon really trust. Uh, then the rest of the technical pieces, we can uh, take the time to figure out on the fly.
2: And so we've noticed a lot of resilience in clinicians and in patients and in those in the healthcare system. When it comes to technology, folks find ways to make up for any gaps in the technology itself. We've had clinicians calling patients at the same time that they're trying to log on to a video-based platform to help them troubleshoot. And so folks really find a way to make up for inadequate systems or poor system design.
0: Yeah, I think it's amazing that, you know, one of the things that has come out of this pandemic is uh, everyone has really banded together uh, to adopt these technologies, and especially like an environment like um, a hospital or in medicine, um, you know, families want want to provide support to their loved ones, and so doing so by whatever means necessary, even if it's adopting Zoom or FaceTime, as you were saying, um, you know, they just want to get it right. And I'm sure the staff has really come together to say, you know, whatever uh, it's going to take to make that happen uh, for our patient population. One of the things that I wanted to move on to is the metrics side of things, especially as it comes down to uh, case tracing and tracking. Doctor Sanford, can you talk a little bit about the efforts that are going on there?
1: So we use a, and I don't know if this will be interesting to your to your listeners, but. Uh, we use a tool called REDCap. It's a free uh, research tool originally um, that was the foundation of our initial response to the COVID pandemic. And that allows us to build a relational database from which then our College of Public Health colleagues and then data that we send to the Arkansas Department of Health uh, at the state uh, level to do follow-up contact tracing and communicate about uh, patient's symptoms, where they're at, uh, who they might have been in contact with, and allows us to do uh, and participate in the statewide contact tracing for um, a patient follow-up, especially on the multi-day contact tracing piece where you can have a new patient encounter every day to get types of symptoms, when they resolve, on what day they've resolved versus what their, their starting symptoms were. So a cough that persists for four weeks, but uh, a GI disturbance that only lasted for four days or how high the fever was and when it finally went away. and. And all of those other little things that as medical professionals, we are learning more and more about and trying to define this disease more precisely. Uh, Additionally, at UAMS, we take our employee and patient screening very seriously. So we do uh, everyday screening for employees when we come into work. We take a questionnaire on symptoms and travel. We get our temperatures taken at the door. And that gives us uh, essentially a uh, permission. In fact, it's literally a sticker that allows us to come into the building today. Uh, For patients uh, around perioperative testing, your listeners might uh, be aware that the uh, Arkansas Department of Health has relaxed some of the perioperative testing requirements at the state level. However, given the nature of what UAMS does in terms of the complexity of its surgery and the um, medical complexity of the patients themselves, we persist in doing perioperative screening for COVID, including a test, before we do any elective procedure.
2: Contact tracing is an interesting area to discuss. I'm fortunate to sit on the Technology Advisory Board for um, Governor Hutchinson and we reviewed a lot of different applications um, for software programs for contact tracing. At UAMS, our College of Public Health practically overnight stood up a contact tracing call center with um, support from information technology, which was impressive. It's still a pretty human resource dependent activity and requires a lot of skill and communication. And we're learning that contact tracing honestly is a lot like customer relationship management and how you interact with folks. And when we talk to our customers, epidemiologically, we mention the term surveillance, and that's not what people want to hear. You'll read about contact tracing applications that are based on someone's location. Um, Apple and Google have a synergistic product that they're working on for contact tracing. But I think there's a lot of apprehension on invasion of privacy from patients and from the community with these applications?
1: Not just invasion of privacy, but we've kind of got some humorous examples where previous exploratory technologies in the telecommunication space have really hampered us. Uh, Because everyone is so sick and tired of spam, now no one picks up the phone when the hospital calls because we don't have uh, the trust in the populace to, to pick up a phone when it rings. And so we've had to develop a whole new set of practices around uh, scripting language to leave a voicemail that is informative yet not alarming, because no one wants to get a call from UAMS and, and hear, "Hi, you may have been exposed to COVID. Call us back." Right? You have to be very sensitive, as the as Kevin was saying about the customer relationship piece. Uh, it's odd to think of of patients or potential patients as customers, but these are people who have who have once needs, fears, and hopes, and anxiety around COVID is is high and, and only seeming to get higher. So we are very conscientious of our responsibility to inform and educate and investigate uh, without um, hopefully contributing to any any uncertainty or fear.
2: And contact tracing is only as effective as adoption. The applications become more effective the more folks are adopting and using the technology on a daily basis. And I've not seen great examples of a high percentage of the population using any of the technologies. But in terms of uh, the screening that you do at your hospital
0: itself, all of that information, whether it be employees, uh, visitors, or the patients, all of that data is being run through the system that you're talking about, right, around, uh, did you call it RedCat?
1: Yeah, so REDCap is the data capture tool, and then we run that either through our student employee health service, or if it's medical data, we run it through the EMR, which we use, is called Epic. And then um, at the end of the day, once all of our, our clinical activities have occurred, uh, much of that information is stored in the Arkansas Clinical Data Repository, which is also managed at UAMS. Um, access to the various buckets of data is pretty closely scrutinized because some of it's employer-employee data, some of it's clinical data, some of it's uh, state-level contact tracing data. And so uh, anyone that wants to eventually do research on this stuff will, will have to go through all the appropriate IRB processes to make sure uh, all, of the, all of the critical rights are respected um, But accessing it. But generally speaking, for an overall surveillance package, we do metricize and track um, along the same lines that the, the Arkansas Department of Health reports at the governor's press conference every day. We're looking at largely the same metrics and we do that not just on the individual patient level uh, but there are also also tools in the state um, that allow hospitals to share information about bed statuses icu capacity ventilator capacity and other uh, logistical necessities
0: well i know i could speak to both of you all day about this um, because i just find that technology is uh, in some ways the unsung hero in all of this just how it helps uh, advance so many things during COVID. You know, we, we talked about a number of different topics here. We talked about how it improves ease of access. It improves those communication pathways for patients uh, to stay connected uh, with their loved ones. We talked about screening and, and contact tracing, uh, certainly done so in a way that follows the guidelines and standards of uh, everything that you just dis- discussed. And, um, you know, just as we close here, Dr. Sexton, I just wanted you to have maybe some closing words around how technology you feel can really help the patient experience. So as a patient might be listening to this just on the surface level, they may not necessarily understand all the complexities around what we've discussed here today, but what's one thing you'd like to share with them around how technology is helping keeping them safe during this pandemic?
2: What I'd like to share is that technology is just helping facilitate communication and technology is a broad term and means many, many different things. It doesn't need to be intimidating and it can be very, very simple at its foundation. Technology helps people do more than they normally would be able to do. And it allows us to communicate faster allows us to communicate with more folks and to share more complex information than we've ever ever been able to do before. So my parting words for folks on technology would just be that it's already what you're using. We don't have to introduce new things, but whatever modality they're comfortable with, clinicians and the folks at UAMS are here to connect with them where they're at. Dr. Sanford, do you have any final words to add to that?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, that was very well said. I would just echo that, you know, technology is a force multiplier. Uh, by itself, it does nothing. And so it really relies upon the, the human connection and um, the trust and feedback of those that use it to affect change to be the most of what it can be. And so what we're, you know, in, in addition to what Kevin has said, what we're very interested in here at UAMS is how we build um, tools and solutions that are are very proactive and work in a very real setting, um, not in kind of a toy or lab environment, uh, and that are very sensitive to the uh, vast um, diversity and necessity of, of healthcare needs across the state of Arkansas, you know, from From the Delta and uh, the agribusiness and the healthcare needs specific to that all the way to uh, central Arkansas and the fintech industry up to northwest Arkansas and, you know, trucking and retail. Um, All of those different parts of the state have different needs, and it is our, our ambition and goal to serve all of them equally well.
0: Well, I think that is a perfect place to end. Dr. Sanford and Dr. Sexton, this has been hugely informative, and I really appreciate your time today. That's Dr. Joseph Sanford, Chief Clinical Informatics Officer and the Interim Director for the Institute for Digital Health and Innovation, and Dr. Kevin Sexton, Associate Chief Clinical Informatics Officer at University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. Thanks for checking out this episode of UAMS Health Talk. For more information on this topic and to access the resources mentioned, visit uamshealth.com. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels. And be sure to check out the entire podcast library for topics of interest to you. Thanks, and we'll talk next time.